You guys can have a seat. Well, guys, it is good to be with you. My name is Matt Carter, pastor of preaching here at the Austin Stone, and uh, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles today to the book of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to be in verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'm going to have the scriptures behind me on the screen. Um, if you're a note taker, I'm going to start doing this. I'm putting sort of my, my points up, up on the screen. And so if you're a note taker, you can do that. Um, but today we're going through a series on the Lord's Prayer. We're in that place in Matthew where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And honestly, I'm really thankful for that. I'm really thankful that this is in the Bible because I remember throughout my life seeing all these different models that are out there that are supposedly to teach us how to pray. And I remember being a, a young youth pastor and being concerned about finding which one of the models was the right one to teach our students. You have uh, one of them that's pretty popular. It's called ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication, you're supposed to sort of pray through each one of those. And, and, then, and then you've got pray, P-R-A-Y. And uh, that's, that's praise, repent, ask, and then yield. And so I was really confused. I was like, which one of these? Am, and, and there's other ones. I'm like, which one am I supposed to use? What if, I, what if I use pray in my prayer life, but God's really an ax kind of guy? You know, and what if I'm using ax, but God's a, a pray kind of guy? You know, is, is God not gonna hear me? Or is he not going to answer my prayers? Well, here's the thing. There's nothing in the world wrong with those models as long as they line up with the Lord's prayer. There's nothing wrong with you using those models as long as they line up with what Jesus said that prayer was supposed to look like in the Sermon on the Mount. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes right out and he says, hey, this is how I want you to pray. And so let's read this together, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. <clears throat> Just look at the first part of the verse there. Jesus comes right out and says it, and he says, pray then in this way. Okay, so that's pretty clear. Jesus says, pray then in this way. And so I want you to hear this, guys. It's throughout this series, we're not just going to learn some, some cool theological things about prayer. Okay, that's going to be part of it. We're gonna walk through each part of the Lord's Prayer and you're gonna learn what each one of those things mean and that's good, but that's not really the primary goal, just to learn cool theological stuff about prayer. But my hope and my prayer is that you would hear those things about what this prayer means and that as you change in your understanding of prayer that that would actually begin to change the way that you pray, that you actually use this in your prayer life. And so let's, let's jump in here and let's look at the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Halem talked about it the first part last week, but um, it's very important, this first little line that we're, we're dealing with here. A lot of times we just throw it away, we don't think about it in the Lord's Prayer, but it's really critical, Matthew 6, 9. <clears throat> Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, he starts off and he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so the first thing that Jesus does is he uses these very descriptive words to describe God. He says, our Father in heaven. Now here's the reason that he does that. He does that because he wants us, and hear this, he wants us to have a really clear view and a really clear understanding 
is who it is we're praying to when we start praying. He gets very descriptive about God because he wants us to have a really clear view of who it is that we're praying to when we're praying. He gets very specific, and here's why he gets specific, church, because he doesn't want you praying to a God of your own making. Jesus doesn't want us to pray to a God based on what our view of God is. He wants us to pray to God based on who he really is. And so Jesus, in the first line of the Lord's Prayer, he's describing God, and he says this in Matthew 6, 9, he calls him our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now listen, he could have easily said, our God, hallowed be your name, but he doesn't do that. Again, he gets very specific uh, about the character and the nature of God so that we are viewing him properly when we get on our knees to pray. Now I love that. I love that because of the course of my life, what I've noticed is, is I sort of think about God and I sort of view God and I approach God based on these presuppositions of who I think God is. And guys, what I've noticed is that sort of my view of who I think God is is not always completely true to his character, okay? And here's what I mean by that. God has these different names that indicate different aspects of his character. And so an example of that, one of God's names is Yahweh. It's Yahweh. Right? And that's God's personal name. Um, it indicates God's closeness. The, uh, God's name Yahweh indicates his nearness. It's the, it's the name of God that conveys that he's this loving father that's near to us. <clears throat> but then God has this other name, and his other name is Elohim. And Elohim is a name for God that demonstrates not his nearness, but it demonstrates his transcendence. And it it demonstrates his power. The the name Elohim reminds us that, yes, God is near to us, but he's also above us. He's above us, and he's still God. He's powerful, and he's almighty, and he's holy. Guys, here's what I've sort of noticed and discovered in my 25 years of doing ministry, is that most believers, most people sort of lean one way or the other in their view of God and their kind of primary view of God. Um, A lot of people view God as primarily as Yahweh, this near God, and a lot of people view God primarily as Elohim, this transcendent and powerful God, and that's based on a lot of stuff, kind of how you view him. It's based on your experience in church, what kind of church you grew up in. It's, It's pretty heavily based on, a lot of us, what our relationship with our dad was like, it's, it's based on kind of how you read scripture and the biases that you read scripture with. And so most people sort of have a tendency to lean towards viewing God as Yahweh, this near loving God, or to view him primarily as Elohim, this distant, transcendent, powerful, almighty God. My wife, my wife is a Yahweh kind of girl, primarily. She reads the Bible and more than anybody I know, but if you just pin her down, she sort of leans Yahweh. Like her dad, Her earthly father was pretty absent in her life growing up. And so she, growing up, longed for him in her life. And so I think it was in the eighth grade, she was on a trip, and this guy was speaking, and she sort of heard from the Lord for the first time in her life, and the Lord spoke to her and said, I am your dad. I am your father. 
I'm the one that's meeting those needs in your life. And that won her heart and that won her to the Lord. And so she has this very loving, sort of compassionate view of God's love towards her. It, it, it colors the way that she views God and the way she prays to him. Come to my wife, God is primarily her heavenly daddy. <clears throat> now, on the other hand, I'm an Elohim guy. I'm an Elohim guy. My dad was, he was really present in my life, but he was a taskmaster. He was the kind of dad that loved me, but he cracked the whip. He brought the hammer in my life. And that absolutely colored the way that I have a tendency to view God. My dad was the kind of guy that if I was playing in a baseball game and I went two for three, right? I, I got a single and a triple and I, well, I didn't get a triple, it was too slow. I got a double, I was exaggerating. Um, but I get like a single and a double and then the last at bat, I, I would strike out. I went two for three. I keep that up, I'm going to the Hall of Fame, right? I'd get in the car Dad wouldn't say anything about the single and the double. He would be like, hey, why'd you strike out? Right? He was that dad. Right? He was great. I love him. But he was kind of a taskmaster. Absolutely colored the way that I view God. My mom was sort of like that too. I, a true story before Jesus, I was late one minute one time at home. My, my curfew was at 11. I got home at 11.01. And that was before cell phones. And so it was like the microwave clock said 11.01. And who knows if that was even right or not. But she grounded me. It was just like, bam, bringing the hammer. And so I project that stuff on God all the time. And so my first thoughts are about God's holiness, his transcendence, his power, his might. And if I mess up, he's gonna take me out, right? And so think about it for a second. Don't shout it out here, but are you a, are you a Yahweh or an Elohim kind of person? Again, some of us have a tendency to approach God with this fatherly, loving, near to us God. And a lot of us have this, Tendency to approach God as transcendent and holy and powerful, kind of take your, your booty out kind of God. But Jesus here, let's look again at what he says and how he tells us to address God when we come to him in prayer. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, here's how you address God. He says, our Father, that's Yahweh, our Father, in heaven, that's Elohim, Hallowed be your name. What Jesus is doing here is he's saying, look, when you, when you get in your closet, when you get on your knees to pray, we need to make sure that we're viewing God and seeing God in all of his character. That we don't see God in the way we see God, but we see God for who he really is. And so he starts off and says, the first thing you do is you pray, um, that you're, and you realize when you're praying, you're praying to your dad. You're praying to your heavenly father. Pastor Hall M talked about this last week in his sermon. If you missed that, you have to listen to it. It was incredible. He talked about how God doesn't just look at us like his adopted kids, but that because we wear the righteousness of Jesus and are covered with the blood of Jesus, that he views us in the exact same way that he does his own son. And so he is a, he's our heavenly daddy that loves you and he adores you, okay? So he says when you're dressing him in your prayers, you dress him as father, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say pray that in this way, our father, hallowed be your name. He says pray that in this way, our father, who is in heaven. That's a, that's a big distinction there. Jesus is, is reminding us that yes, God is near to us, but he's also above us. Y'all with me? No, yes. Do I need to like start over? 
I'm sorry, I went, I preached to this church last week and they were really emotive. Like, and so I, I loved it. It was really cool. So if I'm like, say y'all are with me, say something like, yeah, or something, give me something. All right. Um, where was I here? Okay. And so Jesus is making sure that when you pray, that you remember that God is not just this kind of warm, fuzzy, grandfatherly figure in the sky that heals all your spiritual boo-boos, okay? But he's God. He's God. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he adores you as his child, but he's also our God that's in heaven. He's the one that, that spoke the universe into existence with the sound of his voice, Yes, he's your father, he is your heavenly daddy, but he is also the one that when people entered into his presence, they fell on their faces and said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And so Jesus starts out the Lord's Prayer, and he says, hey, when you're praying, this is how you need to approach God. You need to approach God with the proper view of him, and the proper view of him is this, our Father, who is in heaven, okay? So here's point number one here, if you're taking notes. Point number one is that when you pray, approach God in prayer in a way that recognizes both aspects of his character, okay? So step one, lay your, your presuppositions aside, <laughs> lay your, your daddy issues aside, and you come to God for who the scripture says that he is. And so when I pray, especially in my private quiet times. I don't always do this on the stage, but when I pray, I try to do that. I try to come to him and say something to the effect of, Father, I come before you today and I recognize that you're my dad, that you love me, and that I love you too. But I also wanna recognize that you're almighty God, that you're holy and that you're powerful. Help me to remember that today as I pray. So we're to view him as our father who is in heaven. Okay, now with that in mind, I want you to watch what Jesus says is the first thing that we're to pray for when we're praying. Okay, the f he's gonna tell us, this is the first thing that you pray for. You've addressed him, he's our father who's in heaven, and now here's the first thing you pray when you start praying, okay? And by the way, one of the ways that you know, one of the ways that you know that you're viewing God properly in your prayer life one of the ways that you know that you're viewing him as both your father and as this transcendent God is that when you come to him, you don't start off with all these personal requests, but when you come to him, you come to him first and foremost in worship, okay? So here's the first thing Jesus tells us to pray. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. She said, when you go into your closet, when you go into a time of prayer, the first thing that you ask for, before you ask for anything of yourself, the first thing you ask for is that the name of God would be hallowed in your life. That's the first thing you're asking. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean that we're asking God's name to be hallowed? Well, the word hallowed is a Greek word, <coughs> rather the English word hallowed comes from the Greek word hagiazo, and it's a word that means to exalt. It's a word that means to place first. It's a word that means to place on top. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, when you, when you come into your prayer closet, when you begin to pray, this is literally the first thing you pray for. Before any other thing, the first thing out of your mouth needs to be, God, I want your name to be exalted in my life. God, I want your purposes to be exalted in my life. I want you and your name to be glorified. I want you and your name and your purposes to be lifted above my name in my purposes. That's the first thing that you're asking for. It's for God's name to be exalted. And so point number one, again, when you pray, approach God in prayer in a way that recognizes both aspects of his character, that he's your father and that he is also God. But point number two is this, is when you pray, your first request is that the name of God would be glorified or lifted high through your life. So the first thing you pray before anything else. Now, let's talk about Jesus for a second. So he's doing two things in the Lord's Prayer. He's modeling it for us. He's saying, this is how I pray. He's also teaching us how to pray. And so let me ask you a question. Why does Jesus pray this first? Because it's critical, and we're gonna see next week on Easter Sunday morning how critical this prayer is and the next prayer is for him walking to the cross. But why does Jesus pray this prayer first? Why, why is this request for the name of God to be exalted in his life the very first thing that he's asking for? And here's the answer, don't miss this, listen really carefully. Because Jesus is using his prayer life to align his heart with God's primary purpose for his life. Jesus is using his prayer life to remind his heart and to align his heart with God's primary purpose for Jesus' life. Okay, and the number one goal, the number one purpose of why Jesus came to this planet was to exalt and to glorify the name of God. That was his number one thing he's doing. That's the number one thing he's about was to glorify and exalt the name of God. And so he's praying that prayer and he's doing it first to align his heart with God's purpose in his life, okay? Now, if I were to ask you guys the question, if I were to ask you guys the question, kind of what was the primary reason why Jesus came to this planet? You might answer that by saying something like, well, he came to die for our sins, or if I were to ask you why Jesus came to this planet, you might answer and say something like, well, he came to redeem us back into our relationship with God. And look, both of those are reasons Jesus came to this planet. Both of those are some of the main reasons that he came to this planet. But when you look carefully at the Bible, what you see, and we kind of gloss over this, but what we see that those, those weren't really the primary reasons. Okay, In our culture, church, we have a bad habit of putting ourselves at the center of the cross. We have a bad habit of putting us at the center of why Jesus came to this planet. But if you look at the Bible, the primary reason he came to this planet was to exalt the name of the Father. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Don't turn there, I just want you to listen. <clears throat> but Jesus is about to walk to the cross. It's the night before he's about to walk to the cross. And I want you to listen to what he says. Okay, this is in John chapter 12, Verse 27, and he's speaking to the disciples here and he says, now my soul is troubled. He's speaking about the cross. He says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. 
saying, should I ask that God save me from this hour? But he says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. And so Jesus, on the night before he's crucified, he's speaking to the disciples, and he says, this is the reason that I am walking to the cross. And then he gives us the reason that he walked to the cross in John 12, 28. Watch what he says here. The next thing out of his mouth, after he says, for is this reason that I came to this hour, he says, Father, glorify your name. First thing out of his mouth on why he came to this hour, he says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came out of heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I love that. He's like, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. I'm going to die for your sins. And I'm going to win you back to God. But y'all know why I'm coming to this hour? Because I want the name of God to be lifted high. And that was so hyped that God amended it. God said amen. <laughs> That's right. You glorify it. We're going to just keep on glorifying it. He came to glorify the name of God. It doesn't stop there. Short time later, during the Lord's Supper, he's broken the bread and he's called out Judas and he sent Judas away so that Judas can betray him and put into, um, put in, begin kind of the events of the cross. And I want you to watch the first thing out of Jesus' Mouth when Judas leaves and puts into motion these events of the cross. John 13, 3. This is the first thing he says after Judas leaves and the, and the whole night really gets started. It said, when he had gone out, that's Judas. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. Do you guys see this? It's what it was all about. Jesus came here, the primary reason, so that the name of God would be hallowed. That's why he came. Here's a, there's a song, I told you guys this years ago, there's a song that came out a long time ago, got really famous in Christian circles. Everybody in America was singing this song but us. And, um, and it was, uh, it, it, I, I don't remember what it's called, but it has this line that says, like a rose trampled on the ground, talking about the cross, like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and you thought of me above all. And so it's this line, you're kind of singing to Jesus that he was like a rose that was trampled on the ground at the cross and he took the fall. And Jesus, you thought of me above all. And, and we didn't sing that song here at the Austin Stone because the line is only partly true. Yes, Jesus was thinking about you on the cross. I believe that with all my heart. You were on his mind when he was on the cross. That is a true statement. Make no mistake, he thought about you when he was on the cross. But here's the thing. He was not thinking about you above all. Above all, he was thinking about his father who is in heaven and that his name would be exalted and would be glorified. And so the very first thing Jesus prays for, the very first thing Jesus prays for our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's using his prayer life to remind his heart of the primary purpose of his life, okay? Now, so if that's the first thing that Jesus does, if the first thing that Jesus does is to pray for the name of God to be exalted and placed first in his life, is it critical that we do the same? Is it critical that we do the same? And I think the answer is yes. 
And so I want to sort of start landing the plane today by giving you three reasons why I believe that we should make that the first thing we pray for, that we should make that sort of the primary aim and the first thing in our prayer life that the name of God would be exalted and hallowed in our lives. Here's the first reason we should do that. And it's critical that we do that. Because in your prayer life, and I mentioned this sort of earlier, but in your prayer life, your worship of God should always precede your request of God. Based on the fact that he is your father who's in heaven, he's, he's Yahweh and he's Elohim, your worship of God should always precede your request of God. Now guys, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency that when I'm praying to just immediately sort of jump into requests of God, things I need God to do for me. I have a bad habit of doing that. You know, I'll pray that he be with me. I pray that he guide me. I pray that he keep my family safe. I pray for you. I pray for the Austin Stone. I pray that, um, that I would be a good pastor. I pray for my sermon. I pray for all these things that I need God to do for me. But here's the thing, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, the first three things that Jesus prayed for are all God-centered. They're all God-centered. They're all worship-centered. It's hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Did you catch a word that shows up in the first three? Your. We're worshiping God before we ever ask any request of him. All three of those things are centered on the glory of God. And then after we've worshiped God, your kingdom come, your will be done, your name be hallowed, then in the Lord's Prayer you start asking things of God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. You see that? Worship always precedes request of God. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If we don't do that, if we just come in our prayer closets and start praying, we immediately start asking God to do all this stuff for us, then there's this subtle thing that happens when we do that. It's, it's kind of like a, a transaction where and I don't think we would ever admit this, but we sort of look at God kind of like a horse that we're riding. And we've got the, the reins on him, and we're just sort of pulling him where we want him to go. But when you come into your prayer closet and you reverse that, and you come in and you, you worship him, and you give him glory first, you ask his name would be exalted in your life first before you make all requests, then that is putting everything in its proper order. And when you think about it, that actually makes a lot of sense in the world. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Because, like, I was thinking about it. If, if one of my children wanted me to give them 20 bucks for a movie or something, you know, like, which one of these two scenarios is most likely to move my heart? If, if my son were to walk up to me and said, hey, Pop, give me 20 bucks, what would I say to him? I would look at him and go, Boy, go get a job, man. What's wrong with you, punk, right? But if he comes up to me and says, Dad, first of all, <laughs> I'm about to ask you for some money, but before I do that, I wanna, I wanna let you know you're my father. I recognize that. You're, you're pretty awesome. You're an incredible dad. And I would acknowledge that, hey, I wouldn't even be here, first and foremost, without you. And, and you, you've led me and you've guided me since my birth. And dad, regardless of what you say towards my humble request, I submit to you because your dad 
It's your money in the first place, and however you answer me, I ultimately know that it's going to be for my good and for your glory. So, Dad, may I have $20? Now, I'm, I'm joking here, right? I don't, I don't think the goal is to sort of butter God up to get him to give us what we want, but which one of those scenarios kind of explains and, and, and shows the proper understanding of a relationship between a child and his father. Second one does. We always need to come to the Lord in prayer, not demanding that he bend to our request, but first acknowledge him as holy and exalted and first in our lives. Okay, so that's number one. Your worship should always precede your request. And here's the second one. Listen carefully. Second reason we need to pray first that God's name would be exalted in our lives. Because if Jesus used this prayer to align his heart with God's primary purpose for his life, should we, we, you and me, not also use this prayer to align our hearts with God's primary purpose for our life? And God's primary purpose for our life also is to glorify and know and exalt him. That's the primary purpose in our life, to know the Lord and to glorify him with our lives. And here's the thing. Our flesh, you know this about yourself, but our flesh is wired in such a way that we sort of want the opposite of that. That's sort of the nature of sin. Our flesh is wired in such a way that we're, our flesh is constantly wanting our name. Our flesh is constantly wanting our desires and our plans to be exalted over God's. That's just the nature of our flesh. And so this prayer sort of wages war against that. Think about it. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, um, why did they sin? Like what was the root of why they sinned? At the end of the day, they sinned because they wanted their own desires more than they wanted the glory of God. They wanted their way more than they wanted God's way. Same is true for when you sin. Okay, if, if, if you look at pornography, if you look at pornography, why at the end of the day did you do that? What's the root of that sin? The root of that sin is because you chose to gratify your flesh more than you wanted to exalt the glory of God. You, you chose the desire of your flesh over the glorification of the name of God in your life, okay? When you lie, you cheat, you steal, what are the root of those sins? Is that you've put your fleshly needs above the glory of God. When you lash out in anger, it's somebody who's insulted you. What's the root of that sin? You've put your own reputation. You've put your own desire for respect over and above the glory of the name of God. When God calls you to do something really difficult for his name and for his glory, and you choose not to and choose your own plan, what have you done? You've chosen your own wisdom. You've chosen your own plan over the glory of the name of God. And so Jesus says, look, when you start praying, the first thing you're praying is that the name of God would be hallowed. Because when you do that, church, when you get on your knees, and the first desire, the first request of your heart, God, I want your name to be exalted in my life. I want your name to be lifted above my name. I want your desires to be exalted and placed first over my desires. When that's the first prayer out of your mouth, that wages war on the desires of your flesh. When your flesh rises up 
and it wants you to go after all these things that are contrary to the glory of God, then this prayer is like one of the best weapons you have in the world to fight against those things, okay? So that's what we're praying. We say, God, I realize that you're my father. I realize that you're near to me. I also realize that you're above me. You're in heaven. And the first thing I'm asking for is I want you to be exalted in my life. So really simply today, I, I would love this week for you to do this. Um, this week is Holy Week. This is the week that we, we sort of remember the cross and we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I wanna challenge you guys, I'm gonna be doing this, and I wanna challenge you guys this week, every morning this week, um, when your feet hit the floor, I want the first thing out of your mouth, I want the first thought in your head to be this prayer. Maybe, maybe you need to set an alarm on your phone and after you hit snooze 12 times like my son, and then like you get up and you finally get up, which I've never understood. Why not just get up when your alarm goes off? But anyway, um, dad issues. But when your alarm goes off and you get up, like the first thing, set alarm. So when you pick up your phone, you read it like, pray to God that his name would be exalted in your life. Listen, here's the thing. I want you to know a couple things. One, God loves that prayer. He loves that prayer. Jesus prayed it. He said, Amen. God loves that prayer. When you pray it, he's gonna say, amen. It's, it's, it's this incredibly God-honoring prayer. When you look at all the people in history, all the men and the women that have just lived these lives that God has used powerfully, when you, when you trace it all back and when you get to the bottom of it, that person, you're gonna find that person sometimes someplace on their knees and that is the driving heartbeat and passion of their life, Jesus Father, I pray that your name would be exalted in my life today. And if you'll pray that prayer and you'll pray it consistently and you'll meet it, I promise you something. It'll change the way that you live your life. And so number two, you're praying that you use this prayer, you pray this prayer to align your heart with God's primary purpose of your life, which is to glorify him. Here's the last one. Here's the final reason why we should pray first for the name of Jesus to be exalted. It's because when we pray this prayer, not only does it align our hearts with its primary purpose here on earth, but it prepares our soul for its primary purpose in heaven. So when we're praying that prayer, not only does it align our hearts with our primary purpose that we're here to live our lives with, but it also aligns our soul and it reminds our soul of what our ultimate purpose is gonna be in heaven, which by the way, is gonna to be to glorify God. Let me read just a couple of verses here and then I'll land the plane and we'll be done. Revelation 4, 4. This is the scene, and a vision that John was given about the throne of God and I want you to listen to this, it's awesome. John says, around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne of God came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, 
There were a sea of glass like crystal and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The living creatures like a lion, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around them um, and within, and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I don't know what's up with those creatures. They seem pretty crazy to me, but they're saying some cool stuff, amen? They just keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And whenever the living creatures give glory, and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. The scripture teaches us that in heaven we're gonna join the song of the living creatures. We're gonna give glory to God. And there's gonna come this day when you receive a reward for what you did here in this life. The Bible talks about a crown and the Lord's gonna look at you and he's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he's gonna put a crown on your head. And then what the Bible teaches is that when he puts this crown on our head, signifying these rewards that we got in heaven, that the way that we respond is that we're gonna take our crowns off and we're gonna lay them at his feet. And we're going to say, this was all because of you. And then we're going to lay our crowns at his feet and on our knees before the Lord. Then we will join with the living creatures and the angels and the elders. And we will begin to worship God and we will give him glory. And we will say, glory and honor and thanks to you who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. will join in the song that says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I have this feeling that that moment when that's happening, that when we're all taking off our crowns and we're throwing them at the feet of the throne and saying, God, this was all because of you and we give him glory. I just have this feeling that that's gonna be like the best moment in our lives on this earth and in heaven up to that point. I just have a feeling that's gonna be incredible when we do that. And every single time, here's what I want you to remember today every single time that you get on your knees and you say, my Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want your name to be exalted above my name. I want your name to be lifted above my name. I want your purposes and your promises to be lifted above anything in my life. When you do that, you're just practicing. You're preparing your soul for what it's gonna spend eternity doing when you get on your knees before the throne and say, hallowed be your name. So church, from this 
moment forward in your prayer life for the rest of our lives. Let's let this prayer be the cry of our hearts. All right, let's pray together. you take just a second and just pray to the Lord, address him as your father. Address him as Lord, as God in heaven. And take a minute to just ask him, if you're a believer here today, ask him that his name, that his purposes would be glorified in your life, to be exalted above your name. there's something in your life that you've been giving the first place in your heart that you've been lifting above the name of the Lord maybe it's a person maybe it's a sin maybe it's a desire maybe just ask God today to take the rightful place in your heart. He honors those prayers. He loves those prayers. He blesses those prayers. Lord, I love the fact that you are my dad. It's been the hardest thing in my life to get my brain around, but Lord, in recent days and months, you've revealed it to me, you've showed it to me. I thank you for that, that you are my daddy. That you love me in the same way I love Samuel, JD and Annie. There's nothing they can do in all of their lives to ever change the way that I radically love them and the same is true for you to me except more. And God, I thank you that you're God today. In a world of chaos, I thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne, that you're in control. I trust you today because you're the creator of heaven and earth. And Lord, I ask you today, Jesus, it's your name. Father, that your name would be exalted and lifted high in my life. I pray that when people look at me, they don't see me, but they see you. Pray that when people walk out of the church today, they're not talking about any person on this stage, but they're talking about you. 
pray that you would give me the strength and the power to live my life in a way that lifts high your name because there is no other name worthy of my praise and my exaltation. And so I ask these things today and we ask you these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together.